patches because she was that addicted. Mm, I need patches. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a thing. But also my friend who died last year, Mm. when she was on her deathbed, I fed her morphine and put a fentanyl patch on her. And it helped her pass without a lot of pain. So it is a thing, but it's used for things like that. <laughs> you know, someone dying on their deathbed and not not mm-hmm. used to get people messed up. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know there were patches. Huh. Okay. That's tough. Well, that's depressing. It's such a pretty day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Saturday, Friday conversation. <laughs> yeah. stuff this semester which has been really nice and um I love working here it's it's been a joy and I think I fit in well here um nothing feels forced which I really like so all good and your life everything going okay yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm starting to come out of the dark a little bit uh, I just the past few years put a lot on me and and it did for a lot of people so I'm not I'm by no means comparing or complaining um, I'm just having to do some things for myself now which is a good thing um, when you're a caretaker you don't realize how much when you come out of that you don't realize how much you let go on for yourself right and so I'm just starting to slowly get back to to me, mm. which is good. Yeah. What are, are we going to talk about today? Uh, we are so for March. It's uh, Women's Month, mm-hmm. and I am trying to just get as many stories of different women, all mm-hmm. walks of life. Um, I guess just listen to her story and not necessarily like you were saying like complain about like oh my woman I deal with this that but just kind of just like the journey of like your life to like this point uh, I think one question that I love to uh, ask people is uh, like for example like who is Megan you know like if you ask me who is Luis uh, <laughs> yeah, who's Luis? I, I would tell you, um, oh man, Luis is just uh, a, a spirit caught in two different worlds mm. the Hispanic culture and the American culture. Uh, and I try to take the best of each culture, mm. you know, rejecting the bad that I see, um, and just some kind of educator to just kind of like a mid-ground educator and bring into light some of the misconceptions that the Hispanic culture has of the American culture mm-hmm. and vice versa because I see both of them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean both cultures at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm speaking to you right now, I have to be aware that you speak English so I don't speak Spanish to you 
my brain and my mouth mm -hmm. have to work uh, in a specific um, way for me to communicate with you. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's Luis. I just trying to be just kind of like a middle ground for these two cultures, and mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I hear, you know, bad things about the American culture that the Hispanic culture has, but it's just because it had either one or several bad experiences and I think that that's it you know that that's how it is mm. um, I've heard from don't get married with a, uh, an American woman because of this and this and that mm. you know I think it would be really different if you said hey don't get married to a woman that's irresponsible that's this 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 right. but when you put the American Americans. there it's tricky. It's yeah. It's, uh, um, That's it's interesting. Tough. It makes me wonder, like, you're doing the same thing they're doing to you, you know? Yep. Because if you ask people in Central America what was the worst journey, you know, they immigrated to the USA, what was the worst country they went through? They probably said Mexico, because mm -hmm. La Bestia goes through there. This train. Uh, that just overcrowded with immigrants and you have losetas there that literally rape kids and women and kill them you know and then we make stereotypes about them yeah you know and it's just this like vicious cycle mm -hmm. that I, I don't agree with you know so that that's what Reese is yeah thanks for sharing so are we recording <laughs> yeah oh really I just gather all the sound and uh, I take some stuff out okay. that it needs to be yeah. taken out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you do that. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Megan? Um, well, now that's throwing me off. Uh, now I'm like, you need to delete all the first part. <laughs> um, who is Megan? I am love. I am divine. Uh, I have, and I've worked very hard in my life to be able to say that. It was not always the case. Um, so I'm grateful to be able to have that perspective about myself. I value connection above anything because it's just how we're designed. And when we talk about uh, being divided in um, your cultures, like you were talking about, and when I think about what's happening with Ukraine and, and Russia and any type of war, that is the foundation of dualism, right? That we're separate from each other. And so that allows me to attack you because I look at you as a separate thing from me. And when you really value connection, it helps us get back to that we are one. We are all love. We are all divine because we're human beings. And so um, now, am I great at that every day? No, 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 no. I am not. <laughs> um, it is a practice that I really have to be disciplined at. And there are days... Uh, where I do look at other people as the other, and I catch myself. Um, 
For instance, and this is going to be an unpopular statement to make, but even when Trump was president, I really tried to look at him as a reflection of myself mm. because if I'm practicing non-dualism, that means he is a part of me, even if I don't like him, if I disapprove of his actions, he is still a reflection of me. And so what does that even mean? You know, are there parts of me that behave the way that he did and probably still does? He's been out of the major spotlight um, and looking at those pieces of me and asking hard questions. So, and that's hard sometimes. And some days I don't stay there and, and some days I say screw it because I dislike the person so much I don't even wanna think about how I could even be related and similar to this human being. Um, but we are. We all breathe air, we eat, um, we all have heart intelligence. Um, so yeah, that was a long answer. No, that's good. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so you used to teach some, it, I don't know if you call it a class, but it was just some kind of like activities in high school, when I was in high school. So you taught me a couple of activities in the class as well. I guess just the form of expressing oneself and you did these little activities to express mm -hmm. oneself. Um, and thank you because that got me out of my seat. Uh, I think it does something when you sit in down all day in school. Um, and we have this, we've had this conversation about um, these activities I used to do and just like when inspired to do it, you being an actress kind of had to do a little bit with this as well. Um, did you always have this drive of, like you say, being love, helping other people, teaching other people? Has this always been inside you um, since you were younger or was it just kind of like a whole process um, throughout your life that got you where you are now? I think it's a little bit of both. And I'll try to explain why it's a paradox. Much like you living in American culture and Hispanic culture, um, that dichotomy. Um, I think my upbringing where I was forced to be an adult at a very young age primed me for teaching and being an educator, being a leader in that regard because I was, at the time, of course I didn't know this, but I was helping teach my family how to cope and, and adapt and deal and problem solve. And I think that primed me for this career choice. I didn't know that while I was making those choices though, because I started off in theater as an actress and went on to directing and then doing applied theater, which got me into education. So I didn't know in the moment that this is where I was gonna end up, but it's what's what I think is my life's purpose. And I look at every moment as a moment to learn. So you are my teacher 
um, everyone that I interact with is my teacher. And I don't mean that in the traditional sense of a teacher, mm -hmm. but really in the sense of we all have something to learn from each other. And I believe in spiritual evolution and growth. And so that's why I will always be a student and everyone else outside of me is my teacher and master in a lot of ways. So you kind of have the same ideology that Tal has, to learn a co-teacher. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, in this, uh, in this, like, I, I don't know if chaos is the right word, but just everything that's going on in the world and uh, just getting tangled with, like, your daily life and your job, um, do you ever get lonely? Do I ever get lonely? Yes. I think everyone experiences feeling like they're the only ones that are going down this path and we're the only ones that have to deal with these problems. And that can be an isolating thing that we put on ourselves. But in reality, we're not alone. We may not be going through the exact same experience, Every interaction is not going to be the same, but the sensation and result of that experience, we all have a similarity. And so I think in this work, when you're problem solving in a community and you're inundated with problems and sometimes the underbelly of a society, which you probably experience in your work too, mm -hmm. It's real easy to think that you're the only one fighting. Um, and that's why it's so important that we talk and connect and work with like-minded folks so that we remember that we're not the only ones out there fighting the good fight. There's a lot of us, actually. And I would say more so than not who are out there fighting the good fight. What did you learn about your mother? Are there things that you learned about your mother? Are there things that I learned about my mother through this work? Uh, just in or, general, since like uh, you were younger and, and yeah, are there things that you learned from your mother or your father? Both. This is a, a hard topic for me right now. Okay. I am reevaluating my relationship with my mother currently. Mm -hmm. So my mom had me when she was 29. She was, as soon as she had me, she went on to college and she was a first generational college student. And she went back after she had two kids. And so when I was a baby, I didn't have her around a lot because of that, her working and going to school. And then in the process of growing up, my mother, who also experienced a very traumatic childhood, turned to alcohol and pharmaceuticals, like a lot of folks do who experience trauma, to deal with it and cope. Um, and now we have a lot more research to make people not feel so crazy about themselves, to understand why they're responding the way that they are. But at that time, we had no real understanding of how trauma affected the body. And so 
I say all that because the adult Megan now has a lot of empathy for my mom because I realized that was just her body's way of responding to trauma. Granted, it then created trauma on myself and my sister in that process. And so my mom went down a dark path for a good while um, for the majority of my time living with her. Um, so I didn't really, the mother I knew growing up was hiding, was secretive, looking to numb herself a lot of the time. And I was very disconnected from my mother. Same with my father. He also chose an alcoholic's path. And so majority of my childhood was figuring out how to navigate my parents when they were messed up. Uh, now the beginning of my childhood was not like that. Um, but around seven, that's when it really started to ramp up. And so now my mother moved to Abingdon back in October with my sister. And she is sober and she's been forced to be sober because of her health condition. And so we're, we're just rediscovering each other, if that makes any sense. You know, what's it like to not have substances involved as a part of your relationship? And for me, so much of my relationship with my family was being the savior that came in and fixed things, problem solved, and then left. And while that pattern has served me in my life, right, under pressure and in times of crisis, I am solid. Like, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I can think clearly, I can make choices and do it in a timely fashion. That has served me in my life. However, there are other things about that that are not serving me. Um, you've heard of codependency. I'm sure and that's part of being codependent is that in order to meet my needs I feel like I have to help others with their needs and that's not healthy um, so I'm trying to really not do that <laughs> anymore I don't even know if I answered your question Louis. I, <laughs> I think you went beyond um, and then you're married how long have you been married for we got married in 2017. Okay. So, this is 22, so five years in wow. June. Yeah. There's, uh, what do you think about marriage? <laughs> well, the actual term or <laughs> the relationship? Yeah, I guess, I guess the relationship. I mean, cause if you look at the evolution of marriage, Marriage was designed out of surviving, especially for a woman. That's, that's how you survived, was marrying off to someone. And so our definition of marriage has evolved over the years. That's probably why we see more divorce rate, because we've redefined what marriage is. Um, how is my marriage, or what do I get out? What's the question? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to share how your marriage is going? 
I'm just, uh, I'm just curious. I, I think we had a conversation long time about this, or am I having with somebody else? But uh, did you want to get married in the beginning, like in, in when you were, um, I guess when you were not familiar with the whole marriage thing mm -hmm. and stuff like that? I don't know if I'm mistaken, but I think you said that you had little issues with getting married. Yeah. But when you got married, you kind of discover is, is a, I guess it is what you make it. Absolutely. In a, in a way. So I'm just wondering, um, how is it going for you now that you kind of like mature in this uh, idea of marriage? Um, how's it going for you? That's a great question. Um, relationships are hard. So even, let's even forget the marriage title. Let's just talk about relationships. Yes, you are correct in your memory of I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have kids. And part of that was because of the upbringing that I had. I have had this fear that I would do the same thing to my partner or kids if I had them. So in terms of my dreams, I never dreamt of having that type of stability or family. Um, I, like someone who's, who's had a traumatic childhood, had some very dysfunctional relationships. And I wouldn't even call them relationships. I would say just interactions. <laughs> um, because that, if you read, have you read The Body Keeps the Score? No, thanks. So. Okay. <laughs> Highly encourage you to check out this book. It encapsulates and summarizes trauma on the body in the most cohesive way that I've ever read about it. Um, and I'm a poster child for how people respond to trauma. I've, um, had substance abuse issues at one point in my life when I was a lot younger. Um, I've had eating issues. Um, you name it, I've done it. Um, over exercising, that's, that's a response to trauma. Um, so you can do multiple different things, but that book really goes case by case with folks. And I realized I didn't have a healthy relationship because of what I learned from my parents and your, the, the upbringing that I had. And so marriage, when I met Adam, I just kind of knew, which people say that crap all the time, that you just know, but it's true, you just know <laughs> that, that you're meant to have a, how do I word this? Not even marriage, but a deep connection and long-term relationship. Did this you know person. like when you saw him or when you spoke to him? When I saw him. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It was like eye contact. Not that I like instantly <laughs> fell in love. It wasn't like that. But I just knew that something was there that this person was here to really teach me something. And I ultimately think, going back to the co-teacher co-learner, that our partners that we choose to spend the rest of our lives with are one of our ultimate teachers. Because your partner 
I think, is the person that can ultimately hold up the mirror to you and get away with it a lot more than other people. Uh, I think that's really important in marriage. I am not here to be status quo. I'm here to evolve into the best version of myself and be divine and love. And the only way to do that is to hold the mirror up to yourself. And I feel like your partner is the main person that can help you do that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very interesting how you said, like, when I saw that person, I knew that that person was there to teach me something. It's very interesting. Are you happy now with your life? Are you happy? Define happy. Are there more good moments in Megan's life than miserable moments? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot more. Uh, more moments of joy than moments of, of sucking joy <laughs> out of me. And, I mean, life is hard. So don't get me wrong. I'm not like, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and roses over here. Uh, I'm a very realistic person. I wouldn't say I'm super optimistic, but I'm not pessimistic. Mm -hmm. I'm just realistic. Is that the right word? Pessimistic. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Um, yes, I'm much more present in my life. And when I'm present, I can embrace whatever sensations I have in order to release them. So even if it is a hard moment, I've learned to really embrace that and whatever sensation it gives me so that I can move on. Part of where we become miserable is where we hang on to a sensation and don't allow, allow ourselves to embrace it in order to release it. And so we live in a world that's constantly trying to keep us from being present and keep us from embracing what it is that we're experiencing. And that can be done through consuming media, um, social media, getting on Facebook, food, um, video games. I mean, all kinds of different ways that we keep ourselves from feeling um, whatever's going inside of, in, inside of us. And so, I have worked very hard to really embrace the moment, even if it's uncomfortable. So if that equals happiness, then I'm very happy. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then one of the last questions I have for you is um, being, being March and being Women's Month, um, what does this month mean to you? Because I think one of the reasons I put this subject for March uh, and interviewing women was not to only have one month of women, you know, to celebrate them in this mm -hmm. one month. Kind of kind of, kind of like what we do with, you know, like Hispanic Heritage Month or African American. Um, but what does this month mean to you? Uh, That's a great question. And this is actual, you know, people have discourse over assigning specific months. Um, and I used to not think anything of it until I worked with someone, a, an African-American gentleman who, who brought to light 
why are we assigning a specific month to talk about black history, Mm -hmm. right? Or Hispanic history in America, all that. Like, why are we assigning only a month? And why isn't this thing that's just constantly, we're constantly having these conversations. Why do we have to be cued on that? And so since he um, taught me that, I've struggled with with these months (laughs) because of that. Because I'm like, he's absolutely right. Why is this something that we designate when it's just a part of, of our culture always? And it is a part of America, all these different cultures. I mean, we are the melting pot. Right? Why are we? Why can't we live off that foundation and let those all those perspectives be in in everything that we learn? Um, so I struggle with that. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cool. We can celebrate, and it can it can cue us to do certain things and talk about certain things. But I'm not like go go Women's History Month or you know. Yeah, I just I heard somebody, I uh, heard a gentleman say this similar thing to that, that it should be something that should be spoken all year, all the time, mm-hmm. not just one month. Yeah. yeah, that's how I feel too. Um, and then my last question to you is, uh, where is Megan today? Where is she in her life? That's a good question. Uh, today. In this moment, Louise, I'm super grateful to connect with you. And I love how we've connected over the years, surprisingly, and even like run into you in a town and... um, Strange, right? Yeah, I love it. It It's a good thing. So I really appreciate those moments. And it's always a good reminder of you never know when somebody else will come back into your life. Um. And that could be the person that is checking you out at the grocery store and how important those small interactions are because they can come back around in bigger ways. Does that make sense? So if I'm rude to that, that cashier and in a few years I'm working with that person, right? That's not going to go over well. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I think every interaction is so important and a moment to learn. And I really try to value that. So in this moment, I'm very grateful. Uh, Thank you for doing this. Um, I know you're really busy all the time. (laughs) And this is just great to me. Um, Just having a conversation with you, I think that... Every single time we talk or we speak, there's something new that we learn from each other, at least from my part. Um, And thank you for keeping me in check. And sometimes some of my perspectives are a little out there. And then I go home like, I should probably have not said that to Megan. (laughs) And then I'll come back here and I'll be like, I'm sorry, Megan, that I said this. You know, that was not correct. Um, but yeah, I think, I think everybody needs people like that. People that keep them, you know, be like, Hey, you should probably think about that twice. Uh, and this pledge is very, a lot of memories. So I'm sure. 
It's been a while since I visited here. And definitely brings me a lot of memories, so. Are you gonna go say hi? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I say hi. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.